0: Hi, this is Mary-Kate Mackey, and I'm a garden writer from Eugene, Oregon, and you're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one.
1: Now, I'm going to have to take this down further. If you cut, we've had this conversation a great many times. Yes, we have. If, if you cut, <laughs> so... And put it in, right? And ram it down, right? What it,
0: is it, dear Johnny, that you also have to do?
1: Water
2: it.
0: No, not fertilize that. it. Heavens, no. Good.
2: Sing to it. I don't know. That. <laughs> Taking my best shot. Uh,
3: Take the top back
2: too. Trim this one back. Uh huh. To, to just where the green is, or where is it's growing.
1: Burning. It <laughs>
2: In other words, just be gentle.
4: Oh, wait,
1: look, now, you've got a perfect example. Show the nice audience. Right. You see? Now, where are you going to cut it?
5: I'm going to cut it right here.
1: No, you're not. (laughs) Try
6: and think. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611.
2: Good planets are hard to find Temperate zones and tropic climes And true currents and thriving seas Wind blowing through breathing trees Strong ozone and safe sunshine, will. Good planets are hard
7: to Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door.
6: Good are. And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
4: Wow. We have a slightly new intro there because mm-hmm. we have slightly new sponsors for the show. Um, I'm, we're very, very pleased. we got Happy Leaf LED is, is back with us. And um, one of the great things about Happy Leaf LED is that dinger? Uh, dingers. Uh, is it sad? A little dingy. That's good. Yeah. It seems I'm, fine now. it around a little, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Peggy and I are both, um, one of the great things about doing a show like this is you get to choose who you want to have on it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that, and that includes sponsors. Um, it's not always the case in radio, but we're small and we get to be picky. And, um, so we have people like Happy Leaf LED grow lights because we use them. Um, and you're going to hear... In one of the commercials uh, that uh, we cut for this, uh, my story, uh, every year I get people say, how come your tomatoes are are ripe now and mine aren't? And I say, hmm, I think it's a happy leaf. It's a Happy Leaf LED grow light Mm -hmm. because I get them them a really good head start. So the point I'm making is that when you really like the product, boy, it's easy to advertise. Boy, it's easy to have them as a sponsor on your show. And so we support them because they support us and we love their products. Same thing with Sitka Salmon Shares. Ding. Um, And they've been with us for a little bit this year now, and they are going to be through the end of the year. um, And very happy about that because – uh, we love what they 're doing with sustainable seafood um, uh, and they are uh, supporting c s f s which are uh, community supported fisheries mm-hmm. and The idea is that you don 't grab the big monster boats and sweep swoop your your net you You have family uh fisheries that go out sometimes with a rod and a reel. And they uh, catch the salmon and other products, and uh, you know where it's coming from. And they deliver it to the Midwest. How cool is that? So uh, you need to go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and uh, go click on the links to Sitka Salmon Shares and to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. And you need to get them. I mean, the holidays are coming up. They're going to make great gifts. I know. It's I know it's just barely October. They are. Yeah. They are fantastic gifts. So, uh, thank you guys for being part of the Mike Novak show. And of course, if anybody else wants to do that, you just give me a holler, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Or give me, I mean, just pick up the phone and call, okay? Uh, Great show today. We're very happy that uh, we're going to learn about sunflowers, about Helianthus. Today, that's one of the things mm-hmm. that's happening, um, and because I went to see a play yesterday with a bunch of kids um, in Chicago, and uh, it's a, a play called Helianthus. Now I, now, I don't have it, unfortunately. you got it right in... Wait, you've got it here, probably on the cheat sheet. The
7: whole name of it?
4: The whole name of it. Helianthus, a power flower trots the globe. A power flower trots the globe, and it's a green scene Chicago. And Green Scene Chicago is going to show up in the studio. I think the whole cast is going to be here. So, again, we're, we're scooping Bill Turk um, because he's a the, he's the theater guy. and uh, uh, But we've got the theater people in here today. And we're going to learn the story of sunflowers.
7: Learn some surprising things about sunflowers. I know. Sunflowers.
4: Things you did not know about sunflowers. You might know that they're native to North America, but I bet you don't know the story that happens after that. So, uh, that's coming up. But before then, uh, Peggy and I are going to be talking some horticultural things going on, like tar spot. Boy, that sounds attractive, doesn't it? Tar spot. <laughs> tar hey, spot. Yeah, you know, I got some medication for you if, if you've got tar <laughs> spot. Uh, and some other things going on in the garden. Uh, a tree that's, i you don't even know that I'm going to talk about this. Okay. A tree, a tree that's gone nuts. I want to talk to you about cantaloupes in my yard that I've been harvesting. Gary um, Gary Oppenheimer is going to be on the show. The founder and executive director of ampleharvest.org, and we're going to try to get people with food to get it to people who need food. All of this on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Mike Novak. One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED grow lights. 50,000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, moving the garden to your living room.
6: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals?
4: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Before we do anything else, we have to do a shout-out to intern Andrew, who's uh, on the job today and uh, doing everything right, except for the donuts. Except for the – that's like the – you know, and Randall, our engineer, said, do not shame my intern. I'm not shaming him. I'm congratulating <laughs> him and saying he did everything right. He's got the A.C. going here because it was pretty warm when we walked in, and he set up the head headsets for us and uh, what else did uh, I mean everything was right except Mm -hmm. the donuts but other than that good job Andrew and of course Ellie our intern who's here every weekend and does a ton of stuff for us during the week as well Um, shout out to Ellie because um, she's sending uh, emails out to all of our guests and keeping track Mm -hmm. of things in a way that I never do
7: tweeting during the show
4: Um, great stuff like that. Uh, at some point in the show today, we're going to give out a $10 gift certificate to Firehouse Grill in Evanston. So it's a bribe here, mm-hmm. all right, to get you to listen to the show. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen, so you have to listen to the show to do that. So we'll we'll figure out when that's going to be. Uh, a, a number of things going on. Uh, it's late season gardening time. It's odd being out in the vegetable garden at this time of year because everything's starting to collapse. Not everything. Uh, I didn't get any a lot of stuff planted that I wanted to mm-hmm. this year. Um, did you ever get those beets planted? Never. I did not, and I'm so mad at myself, but that that's the way it goes. Yeah, well, you know, I get the
7: seed packet of beets sitting there, too, I so didn't, nothing happened. But
4: here's the other thing. I didn't plant beans this year either, mm. but guess what? I got volunteer beans, and pro- they're producing right now. OK. And I, I don't know where they came. Well, probably from last year from, you know, some we of the, had
7: some volunteer squash, too, didn't you this
4: year? Uh, I had volunteer squash coming out of my compost pile. OK. And volunteer tomatoes coming <laughs> out of my compost pile. And the problem is and the city of Chicago is not listening, of course. Um, shh, it's City, a, cover it, your ears. It's supposed to be a cover, a lid on the, the compost quick. pile. And so so I put the cover on but I let the vine sort of sneak well, yeah, up, all right? Mike, well, I'm not gonna. now that they're producing f- fruit, <laughs> you know, and we, so we got a cantaloupe, believe it or not. Hmm. Now, the problem is I did mess around with the lid and I was trying to make it as tight as I could. And I I kind of pinched the vine Oops. for the cantaloupe. So it I had to. I had to rescue it, and it's so. I I'm gonna. I'm cut it open and see if it's any good. It's probably not, but I have cantaloupes that I believe you gave me cantaloupe mm-hmm. plants. Um, and what were they called? Do you remember Golden something? Golden
7: Hearts was one of them, and Rocky Ford muskmelon.
4: Okay, I don't. Boy, I don't think I have Rocky Ford musk. I must. Yeah. Well, I've got two different kinds. All right. And what's interesting is that we did some research yesterday. Kathleen and I were looking because the outside of it still has these dark green veins on it. And we thought, well, you can't harvest it. Well, one of them fell off the vine Mm -hmm. and a critter started to chew on it. Uh Uh-oh. And it looked ripe. And I went, wait a second. That looks ripe. So I brought it in. It was just a little hole. So I cut that part off and it hadn't actually gone into the whole thing. And I... I ate it on the way in our part of it today. We cut it up and it's ripe. It's really ripe. So I was I was surprised because I was waiting for the outside of it to turn mm-hmm. that golden yellow, yeah. that gold color, and there was still green on it and I thought, well, this can't be ripe, but apparently it is. So now I'm trying to figure out what kind of a uh, a a a cantaloupe
7: I believe it was the Hearts of Gold.
4: I think you're right, but we looked it up. Kathleen and I did, and she sounds, found some French varieties mm-hmm. that seemed to be what we had there. Let me see here if I've got... No, that's the Heart of Gold you sent me. And Kathleen, yeah, she...
7: The Chantenay's, Yeah,
4: she had, well, uh, there's one Melorange, Melorange Melon is a possibility. There's also a French-orange hybrid melon uh, that Park Seed sells. And that the outside of that actually looks like the cantaloupe we had, but that's not what you gave us. So now I'm really confused. <laughs>
7: the and, squirrels and brought it over. It's
4: possible. Uh, who knows? But this has been the year where pretty much nothing we planted looks like what it was <laughs> supposed to be. I mean, we had what we thought was a green zebra plant on mm-hmm. the side of the yard, um, and I was waiting for the green zebra in the thing that turned, you know, it just stays green and it's got little yeah, stripes on it. I have one,
7: one green zebra. Yeah,
4: well, it started turning orange and red, and I went, okay, that's probably not a green zebra. Hmm. Um, and there were other tomatoes we had that we just not sure what they were. Um, it, yeah. I it's don't like, know what, what my happened. Compost
7: bin ones. I have no idea what it is.
4: Except that we planted these from our seed packets that we yeah. had. So I don't know how that works. It's just. Uh, so at any rate, but, but you know, I can't complain. I the ones I know we did have. Um, the Cherokee purples rocked. They rocked the house this year. We had so many Cherokee purples, I, like and my, last year was not very good. Yeah,
7: my garden treasures rocked. <clears throat> so many of those.
4: Oh that's the uh yeah we need to put a ding in there yeah. because that's um um Dr. Clee. Yes
1: Dr. Dr. Harry Clee at the
4: University of Florida who produces the Garden Treasures well at the beginning of the season my garden gems we had we had to have 100 tomatoes yeah. on one plant it was just unbelievable we just kept harvesting and harvesting and harvesting so all in all it was a good tomato year as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. maybe, I I'm I'm interested uh folks listening um, you, you're welcome to call in and talk about your experiences in your vegetable garden this year, 877-711-5611, um, or write to us on Facebook because we always look for those comments. Uh, I'm kind of curious what everybody else had. Now, we got an email yesterday from Rick DeMaio, who'll, our mm-hmm. meteorologist.
7: He'll be with us at the end of the show.
4: And he said, and I was surprised, um, and I'm going to ask him about this. He said we had, what, 28 days of 90-degree-plus and the normal is like 18, or we had 26, somewhere in that ballpark. I think it was 26. Yeah, 26, and normal is 18. And so I came to the c- conclusion that it was sneaky warm this summer. It didn't feel like a warm, particularly mm-hmm. warm summer to me, but apparently it was. So apparently the tomatoes did better because they were happier. They did have a little more warmth here. Um, I don't know. And what about was, you? It was what, what very
7: did... strange because I had that initial flush of tomatoes, and then it got too hot, and all the blossoms dropped off. And then when it cooled off, I had a ton more blossoms, and that's when I got the dozens and dozens and well, Maybe dozens. I wasn't
4: paying any attention, but I didn't notice the blossoms, <laughs> if they did, if they dropped well, they, off. They, or, or we didn't have that problem. Yeah, could be. So, uh, yeah, give a, send us your comments about what your tomato year was like, and your, and your vegetable year. Like I said, I, forget, I, I didn't plant zucchini. I didn't plant summer squash. I didn't plant beans, but now I've got them because mm-hmm. of volunteers. Uh, I had volunteer cucumbers. Um, so, See, so. And
7: my cucumbers, I, I maybe got three the entire summer. And then, then the plants died. And I harvested my one racquetball sized watermelon yesterday.
4: Ooh. Wow. <laughs> you get it. You get it. You didn't get it. even
7: make tennis ball size.
4: Uh, you know, all, all all I got to say about that. This is not
7: normal. All right. Nope. No, nope,
4: not nope, a racquetball nope, nope. size. Uh, I've got one there someplace. I'm just. I'm not even looking at it. I don't know. You and I, I think, we're planting the same little tiny watermelons. They're supposed oh. to be like the size of your fist, uh, or something like that.
7: Well, that's and that's and I tried I tried it
4: last year. Pretty dismal. This year. Same thing. Next time I plant a watermelon, I'm going for a regular size one because I these little racquetball things they just don't seem to work. They're they. Maybe there's a secret to growing watermelons that I don't know about. I'm, I'm able to grow cantaloupe. I don't know why, but I that I'm, I'm that's giving it. up
7: on both of them. Neither, neither grows at my house. Well, I think at, it doesn't get enough sun.
4: That's probably it. I'm thinking about your yard. You yeah. probably don't get enough sun yeah. there. Uh, so, uh. And so a couple other things I want to talk about, one of which um, is a condition that some people are seeing on their trees Here, and you yeah, yeah hold those up to the camera uh, let's see can you I need see to can we get a
7: oh wait there we go
4: yeah uh, I don't know how you do that no it's see you need, no, it's you're, that you're camera. across the way so hold on
7: wait Andrew's going to come in and hold them up.
4: So these are maple leaves
7: that look a little weird. And that's
4: because
7: they have... They have um, the tar tar spots of maple, ristema. Ta-
4: right. So uh, we saw this at the uh, Illinois Extension Homeyard and Garden Pest Newsletter, which I love. Uh, if you're not in Illinois, you can subscribe to it anyway. If you're in other states, I'm sure your extension service has this kind of newsletter. And these things are really valuable because they send you out information. For instance, I was doing a garden talk um, a couple of weeks ago about trees. Had this woman come up to me and she says, What's, what are those black spots? We've got maples all up and down. Yeah, the- it
7: looks like tar.
4: Yeah, it does. And I didn't know this was happening at the time. So that was my first indication that this was going on because they're silver maples. I don't think there are any silver maples on my block. So... Uh, And these apparently are very susceptible. But they're in one of those places that has silver. She said Mm -hmm. the the whole block is silver maples. They hit
7: the Norway maples in the other ones, too. Yeah,
4: I'm sure they did, but I haven't seen it. Um, Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. But this is the danger of planting the same tree up and down your block. When one gets it, they all get it. And she said, well, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, first of all, you contact somebody at extension, or you go to your, you you put it a leaf in a bag, Mm -hmm. plastic bag, and you take it to a good garden center, independent garden center, and you get it ID'd, or the
7: Morton Arboretum, or the Morton
4: Arboretum, you know, uh, plant clinic and uh, Chicago Botanic Garden plant Mm -hmm. clinic, wherever you, Denver uh, Botanic Garden plant clinic, they all have plant clinics, folks, and uh, you take it in, you say, what's this? So before you do anything, but apparently she said that one woman on her block, her response to it was to cut down the maple tree. No. Like, what? Stop that. So, So when we saw this just the other day, Peggy and I, we said, oh, we've got to talk about this. It's a tar spot is a fungal disease that causes a great deal of concern from home gardeners due to its appearance. But it's a cosmetic problem, folks. It's not a real health issue. Now... This is something I talk about all the time anyway, is that folks have to get past the idea that their plants are going to look perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like holes in your hostas because you got slugs. Yeah, so you have holes in your hostas. So some ragged edges on your leaves. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so. Now, if they're eaten to the nub, that's another thing (laughs) altogether. But this tar spot, yeah, it's unsightly. And yeah, when the leaves fall down, they got tar spot on them. Yeah, it's a little gross. Um, But it's not a uh, series problem for your tree, uh, early symptoms of tar spot start to develop on leaves in early summer. They often go unnoticed because they're fairly inconspicuous. Um, and uh, it's not until mid to late summer that the darker coloration of the spot shows up. And uh, late in the season, tar spot may cause some leaves leaves to drop early. The number is generally not significant and so little to no harm is done to the host tree. Tar spot often goes unnoticed on the host tree until some of the leaves begin to fall. Uh, here's the important thing. Is, so you don't want it next year? Management. The black spot spots on the leaves contain fungal spores that can survive the winter. And this is the same thing if you have a rose bush and you've got black spot on it. You clean it up. Get it out of there um, from under the tree or under the shrub. The spores will be released in spring as new foliage is emerging and will be carried uh, to that new foliage on the wind. Raking and destroying leaves will reduce the number of spores that survive to the next spring. Ideally, for this to be truly effective, everyone with an infected maple in the neighborhood should rake and destroy the leaves of the tree. And the problem is some people are going to put it in their compost pile it may not completely destroy the spores because home compost piles seldom heat up enough to kill the fungal spores. So, you have to get the neighbors together mm-hmm. and say, "Bag these suckers, get them out of here." This, you know, I, I
7: or just deal with it
4: uh, every year. Though I mean, it'll just keep yeah. going on and on and on. Now, I usually tell people you got to use your leaves for compost, but if you got fungal spores on them. This is the one time where I say, yeah, toss them, get them out of there, just put them in a bag and and have them picked up and hauled away someplace, unless you can get them to a commercial composting Mm -hmm. facility where they can heat up the the compost pile enough to destroy the spores. So uh, thank you to the uh, Illinois Extension Home Yard and Garden Pest Newsletter. In fact, who wrote that story? Hang on. Um... That was the tar spot. I want to make sure I give the – here it is. This is the tar spot of maple. That was written by Travis Cleveland. So congratulations, Travis. Thank you for the great information. All right, we've got about two minutes left. What Can I mention one other thing? I, we were going to talk – I'll tell you what. If, uh, we should put the link to this okay. issue because they've got some great stories about getting to know common wasps. And weeding. And weeding at this time of year. And one of the things they say, it's Michelle Weesbrook who says, don't give up on weeding yet. Because a lot of weed seeds can still be released. And then you'll be fighting that question. Are we okay here? Did I do something wrong, Randall? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, she says, be remain diligent. Um with the cooler temperatures came a new flush of cool season weeds. That's one of the things that happened. Your grass greens up at this time of year because it gets cooler. Ah, but so do some of the weeds. And um, and, and she said
7: all flowering and seeding.
4: Right. She says she's seeing a fair amount of common chickweed and henbit seedlings, um, some dandelion growth. Yep, it can happen in the fall with much of it being seedlings. Um, this is the time when the summer annuals, so, such as prostrate spurge, common purslane. Now, I personally don't have a problem with purslane; mm-hmm. I think it's rather attractive. I leave it when I see it, but uh, but they become quite noticeable. And uh, so, you're you're tired. A lot of people say, "I'm done with gardening." Uh, you know, hang in there for a couple more mm-hmm. weeks, and get... that's when the weeds are just digging in their heels. That's right; they're just waiting for you to get tired. <laughs> that's how that works. Okay. Uh, Okay, so again, we're going to put that link up there. Uh, Next, we've got uh, Gary Oppenheimer talking about food waste. Stick around. If it's fall, it's a great time of year to plant just about anything native. Once again, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is happy to team with Natural Communities Native Plants to encourage you to make a quick, easy change in the world around you by planting natives. Just like bulbs, native perennial plants installed in the late summer and fall develop their roots and get a head start in the spring. This helps cut down on weeding and gets you more mature plants with better blooms next year. Fall also usually brings more rain and cooler temperatures than the harsh summer, which helps get plants established. Make a difference right now that is going to last for years. Make the switch to natives, Natural Communities Native Plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and use the code Mike. You'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. Bring birds, bees, butterflies, and beauty to your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that a couple of junipers and a lawn ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long-overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16th at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impactconference.
7: This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings Chicago Magazine. And for the past eight years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and more sustainable lives. Pick up a copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy new information about health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs, or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.
4: You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at
0: fastsigns.com 80. I
8: told you I can't make it slow.
2: Jim, can you record the podcast? <laughs> record that, Jim.
4: Is that you on there, Randall? It sounds like you, the engineers, just giving all the directions there. (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That was just... Never mind. Uh, What? (laughs) What? Uh, And uh, we're very pleased to have a guy on the show who was on our program uh, just about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, and that's Gary Oppenheimer, the founder and executive director of the nationwide nonprofit ample nonprofit ampleharvest.org uh, Gary good morning how are you
8: Good morning and yeah it just feels like only a year ago <laughs> That's
4: exactly what it was and if you're watching on our, our Facebook live stream that's Gary on the stream and uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, you have Skype technology uh, to work with us we got so we have Gary cam today i w- delighted when
8: it works. Yeah.
4: Last <laughs> week we had Chicken Cam, and this week it's a uh, Gary Cam. Um, and uh, it's important for you to be here today because this is the final day of an initiative that you're working on. I mean, you work on food issues all year long. Uh, but this is Food Waste Weekend, a faith-based initiative where religious leaders deliver sermons on food waste and hunger in America. Um how uh I guess I'm trying to figure figure out the question here because how effective how effective can one weekend be? I think that's my question.
8: It's like asking the question, how effective can a seed be? Out of the seed comes a plant or a tree. Um well, first, it's, still, it's great to be here. The work that ampleharvest.org does is about enabling millions of gardeners to give uh, excess food to local food pantries. And one of the programs we have to help both more food pantries join ampleharvest.org and more gardeners learn that they can donate, we realized that one untapped resource in America, and it turns out to be globally, was actually the faith leaders, the uh, clergy of American faith leaders around the world. They've been speaking about feeding the hungry, feeding the poor for millennia, but they haven't really spoken knowingly about the waste of food. So once a rabbi or a priest or an imam learns that food waste is a serious issue and a serious contributor to both climate change and to hunger, once they know that they will never again speak about food without discussing food waste mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. how does it work the idea is very simple the the clergy the individual uh priest for example goes to foodwasteweekend.org they they learned there themselves about the waste of food we mm-hmm. had everything they needed to do a shallow or deep dive into food waste we then gave them a christian themed or jewish themed or muslim themed we had a whole bunch of different religions sermon that they could modify it to their heart's content, make it their own words, and then uh, nine calls to action, whether it's date labeling, donating garden produce, whatever, and even a game show for the religious school, and then they give the sermon. So Friday afternoon this week, imams across America, and it turned out around the world, started talking about food waste for the first time. Friday night, my own rabbi and other rabbis across America, and as well as Saturday morning, were talking about food waste, and today... Churches all over are talking about it, and I want to share um, uh, one I stumbled on, which I just thought was a wonderful way of taking what Food Waste Weekend was about, and really driving the point home. I'm um, so I'm going to give a shout out right now to uh, the North Decatur Presbyterian Church. What I learned that they were doing
4: North Decatur, is, uh, where
8: is this? I I'm, I'm North Decatur. I'm going to presume it's Atlanta. Uh, in okay. Georgia, yes, yeah, OK, in Georgia. Uh, what they were doing is they decided that the, the pastor there was going to do a talk about food waste, and then the guest and, vis- and guests and visitors were invited to bring a dish of food in a reusable container. Mm-hmm. They were going to be invited uh, to do um, have a dinner. Whatever was left over is going to be weighed, and whichever table had the least amount of food being wasted, that table is getting a prize. Now, it's a brilliant idea to help help someone start to think about the fact that uh, food is valuable and food should be wasted. So our effort to reach that one pastor translates into however many people show up in that particular congregation. The sermons themselves are of all flavors, uh, whether they come from the perspective of the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Quran, etc. To get a sense as to what one sermon might sound like. We have both the text and a recording of a beautiful sermon that was given during Food Waste Weekend last year. And you can hear that and read it at uh, foodwasteweekend.org slash sample sermon. The pastor, Lauren Spieth, is a wonderful and gifted uh, speaker and writer, and she did a beautiful sermon. But every faith leader is encouraged to make it his or her own story about what their faith traditions say about the waste of food. The reality is, they've been talking about food waste all the time. They just didn't know it. And if you look at Exodus, where the Hebrews are told you to get a day's supply of manna, if you take more than you need, the rest will go to waste. It's that's explicitly written in the in the scriptures, but nobody thought about that as a food waste discussion. Hmm. So yeah. we're just trying to take an important issue and amp to enable the clergy of America and across the world to take this message and spread it to their congregants.
4: Uh, By the way, that is Gary Oppenheimer, founder and executive director of AmpleHarvest.org. For more information, go to AmpleHarvest.org, or you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got a number of these Mm -hmm. links here, including to Food Waste Weekend. Without getting into too much detail, I'm fascinated by the idea that you approached different denominations in different ways. Can you give me... uh, a, a small example of how that
8: works. How it works? Well, you I mean, how we created it. It's well, simple. you know,
4: what are the differences? I mean, to me, food waste is food waste. Uh, Jewish food waste seems to me not any different from Muslim food waste or Catholic food waste. How is how is how do you, why do you how have, is the messaging different? Yeah, what's the yeah.
8: messaging is different because the uh, scriptural the, the the faith and the traditions in each of these faiths is different. Um, and they all speak from a very, very different perspective. The if you were to look in, for, I'll, I'll look where the Quran talks about uh, taking care of the poor, is a different wording, different way of phrasing it than maybe where the New Testament speaks about the same thing. So if you're going to talk to people in a congregation, the smart bet is not is not to give a wonk's perspective like me, but to have the faith leader says your traditions, your scriptures, the Lord says X. Um, that resonates with people if they hear from somebody they very much trust, their spiritual mm-hmm. leader, that their their uh, faith tradition obligates them to do this, and that has to be phrased from the perspective of each of these individual uh, uh, traditions. So we did this for Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, and Unitarian, and for those spiritual leaders who are not of a religious uh, affiliation, we also have one that's nonsectarian. Ah. So, we we took one sermon, which was written. Mm-hmm. It was faithy sounding, but faithless. Okay. And we had an <laughs> organization called Green Faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a phenomenal job. They translated it into Christian Jews so that people who were in their organization, who were Christians and Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists, et cetera, rewrite the same thing. So very interesting exercise for anybody is to, you can actually go to foodwasteweekend.org slash clergy. You can see all the different faiths and you can see Mm -hmm. how different faiths speak about the same thing. That itself is an interesting exercise. But the other piece, I also want to add that in this very divisive time in America, to have an imam on Friday, a rabbi on Saturday, a Christian, uh, a pastor on Sunday, all giving essentially the same sermon is itself a very unifying thing, I think, for the country.
7: And what is the overall message being delivered in any of the sermons?
8: The food we have is too valuable to be wasted. There are better things you can do with it than putting too much on your plate, than letting it go bad in your refrigerator, than throwing out food that is still perfectly edible even if the date is expired. That if you change some simple behaviors some simple habits of yours that you can save money, you can save the planet because it's a huge contributor to climate change, mm-hmm. and uh, you can uh, quite likely help hungry people in your own community. All of this, not only at no cost to yourself, but you may well end up saving several thousand dollars a year in food that you've been spending. I mean, I'll give you one egregious example. Uh, when If you go into your uh, kitchen cabinet and you look at a jar of honey, There's an expiration date on the honey. Honey has a 20,000 year shelf life. It doesn't go bad. The the date is on there really to try to, you know, the marketing people are going to say, well, it's when it's not going to look as appealing. Um, The reality is it's a way of, I think, encouraging people to go out and take what's perfectly good, throw it away. And um, buy more. Uh, buy more. The smart thing is, if it looks good, if it smells good, your nose is an incredibly delicate device. It's it's wholesome to eat. That's uh. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still
4: stunned by that because you're right. Uh, and as you were talking about honey, all I was thinking is, yeah, that doesn't go bad. I've I've never had an issue with honey you going bad. Put the jar in and, boiling hot water and and so why. Do they put a date on that if...
8: <laughs> I don't, you know... It doesn't make no, any... I mean, honey itself is an antibacterial agent. Right, you can right. It, right, so it's not that the germs are going to... Uh um there there are some foods that clearly go bad i mean Mm -hmm. milk has a a a date on it and at a certain point milk starts to go bad yeah but your nose Um, tells you that you
4: told us that your nose tells you when it's bad what do you do when you take the milk out of the refrigerator what's the first thing you do is you sniff it uh now you don't do that with all foods but you do it with a lot of them i'll tell you one i do with this chicken if it's been in the refrigerator that's and that Chicken is like, it sends up flares and signals and says, yeah, I'm bad. Don't, don't eat me anymore.
8: Absolutely. There's that old expression that uh, fish and guests start to smell after three days. Your nose tells you a lot. Uh,
4: um, I tell you what, we uh uh are going to be breaking in a couple of minutes. I I want to ask if you, can you stick around for a second, second, because I really want to get into, unless you have to run off to church and give somebody a sermon, um, I want to get in more into this thing that we're talking about. Yeah, I understand you're doing the faith-based initiative now, but your general mission mm-hmm. of food waste, because I'm the kind of guy that knows this exists, all right? And I still am frustrated in my inability to be better about it and in waste at least I compost what's you know what I, I almost never throw away. Uh, a vegetable, certainly not in the garbage. I composted, but still, it, somebody could be eating that mm-hmm. if I were doing it right. So yeah, you
8: can get chickens, and then because that's your second step, and then you go to compost. I'm happy right. to stay
4: around. More <laughs> with Gary Oppenheimer in, in a second.
8: Those amazing green
4: folks at McHenry County College are at it again. The 11th annual Green Living Expo returns on Saturday, November 3rd, and it's better than ever. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit featuring electric cars and bikes. The college solar and super mileage team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. There's a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn more about local agriculture. There are 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds, even on-site battery recycling. The Green Living Expo is free and open to the public. Peggy and I will be there. Come and join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo.
7: Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, please, Support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovac.net.
2: Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. Meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk.
9: Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Kerry Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO.
8: It's hot in December, cold in July. When it rains, it pours out of a poisonous sky. Front the body counts keep getting higher. It's evil out there, man. That
2: state is always on fire. Just
1: been a hard
8: day on the planet.
1: How much is it all worth? It's getting harder.
8: To understand it. Things are tough all over on Earth.
4: Yeah, this is the uh the flip side of uh, good planets are hard to find. <laughs> It's been a hard day on the planet. It's Loudon Wainwright Jr. Yeah, yes. Oh yes. of my friend Mac uh, told me about that, she said you got to play that as a bump at some point. I hadn't heard that song no. before, so
7: he's better known for Dead Skunk.
4: Yes, well, I can play that too. I've got it here. In fact, I'll probably have to trot it out. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Gary Oppenheimer is on Skype with us. Uh, he's the uh, uh, founder and executive director of AmpleHarvest.org. It's it's an organization trying to connect people with food to people who need food, basically. And um, uh, we were talking about something during the break mm-hmm. that Gary wanted you to bring up again, Peggy, so everybody can hear. Let's share with the whole class.
7: So we had a comment on Facebook from Lisa. Uh, they discussed this on the Mighty House show yesterday morning, um, which is a home improvement show. And she says all, in all of her climate talks, people want to know what they can do around climate change. And this is a no-cost thing we can all do, avoiding food waste.
8: People don't understand the significance of food waste on climate change. If, cli- if food waste were a country, according to Project Drawdown, it would be the third largest country in the world after the U.S. and China in terms of contributing to um, uh, food waste. When you throw To a climate pound- change, you mean? I'm sorry, yes, yeah. yes, climate change. When you throw a pound of food into the garbage even food scraps, you throw it in the garbage, it goes in the trash, it releases a pound of methane. The methane, uh, when it's released in the atmosphere, has the equivalent of 20 to 25 pounds of CO2. So just one pound reduction of your food waste is the equivalent of 20 to 25 pounds reduction of CO2. So you're not only, as I said earlier, saving yourself money, uh, but you're also actually helping to save uh, the planet, reducing climate change. It is very easy to do. Reducing food waste has a multitude of beneficial outcomes.
4: Uh, On your own website, you say that food pantries nationwide need fresh food. They feed 42 million people. And you also say that food wasted because gardeners harvest more than they can use could feed 28 million people. And that's just in the United
8: States. That's just the United States. It's 11 plus billion pounds of food that gardeners across America, and again, not farmers, we're talking just the backyard and the community gardeners that they grow, um, is a huge amount. You can see the information if you, anybody is more interested at ampleharvest.org study. We did a two-year study of 2,500 gardeners across America. Uh, Cisco Systems did the analysis. So this is an outside big name that did the analysis. And the numbers are, on every level, huge. Staggering. Yeah. Yeah. And so that the things that any one person can do, whether you're a gardener and you revert food that you would have wasted to a food pantry or you're a pastor and you speak about food waste to the people in your congregation. By the way, 35 percent of the congregants are going to be gardeners are all huge ways of magnifying the opportunity to reduce food waste and improve uh, the climate.
7: So if you're a home gardener and you've got the excess bounty right now or you're just looking, uh, you've got other food you don't want to waste, how does Ample Harvest get involved?
8: What can people do? Great question. There's a wonderful <laughs> website called ampleharvest.org. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you
7: go- <laughs> that's what I said. So, how does it work? What? what-
8: you go to the site and um, on the on the page, it's you pull down for finding a food pantry. Mm-hmm. You put in where you live, your zip code, for example, and a list of food pantries that are geographically near you pop up. You pick the one most convenient. You click on that one. You get all the information that you need to uh donate food and once you know that you can donate the food and to where you can donate the food you'll do that for the rest of your gardening life this is on the same idea when you have an old coat you'll give um your old clothing to maybe a thrift shop or goodwill uh we've got a phone
4: call pouring in here at 877-711-5611 uh i believe it's a bill uh on the, on the line mr turk is that you
9: Yes, it is. How are you guys today?
4: Great. Good morning. Bill Turk is the uh, host of uh, Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall on right here on fifteen ninety WCGO. Uh, I I take it you're following well this. Co- <laughs> we 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 pay yeah. attention. We pay attention. But I know that you you <laughs> you you get involved with the homeless a lot, Bill, and uh, social uh, activities. So I suspect that's uh, the background of your phone call.
9: It is, it is, and, and I, I love the guest, and I love this conversation. And I, I did hear the conversation yesterday with uh, with Lisa on uh, on Mighty House as well. This is the thing that concerns me: um, is I have zero trust in corporations uh, without some sort of oversight and regulation. And my fear is that if we attack this issue uh, on the um, uh, on the uh, the consumer side that the consumer then starts running the risk of getting tainted food because the corporations are going to push that line. They're already pushing that line as far as they can. And I think the solution, um, is, is on the supply side in, in two ways. And I'm, I'm a data guy. Uh, so, so I, I, know that these, these corporations, um, are, um, know exactly, uh, where, where their sales are. And, uh, I, I think they overproduced for one um, the other the other side of that is that I think I think creating creating a bridge uh, on the supply side that we we maintain um, we maintain those those expiration dates food um, to protect the public health uh, and then build in a structure um, legislatively that then uh, then creates a second tier for that food to be uh, reused and um, and recycled, so to speak, um, and and get to the people that that it needs to get to while it's still safe. Oh, and okay. I'd love your guests and, and your thoughts on, on all Okay, that.
4: we got about two minutes there, Gary. That's a lot to unpack.
6: That is a lot.
8: Let me take it, the last part, first, I think. And in terms of the date labeling, I think what would help uh, all of the readers, uh, listeners, would be to go to a, a website, refed, R-E-F-E-D.com, which is a phenomenal information site on everything about food waste. And you can learn a lot more about um, uh, uh, date labeling. You're absolutely right. No food should ever be consumed if there's any health risk to the individual who's going to be consuming it. There's no question about that. Um, and there are certain cases, baby food, eggs, where there are federal government federal legislation that covers that, But much of the time, the labeling is not an expiration of when it is healthy. It might be for argument's sake that the food will start to change color slightly. Maybe the Mm -hmm. applesauce won't be as pretty. It might turn slightly, but it's still perfectly good. These are things that uh, people at the USDA government and food waste people are working on to better address. England, by the way, has a great solution. England, the, the expiration dates are in codes that people can't understand. So the stores know when to pull the food off the shelf, but you're not looking at a date that's going to mislead you into throwing um, food away. As far as the corporations go, absolutely. Corporate food, excess food should be donated, and more and more corporations are. What AmpleHarvest.org is all about is educating individuals, enabling the individuals, and then getting out of their way so that you don't want your food to go to waste. You know they're hungry people. We're enabling you to make that donation. This is independent of what corporations are doing. And by the way, the food travels the shortest distance. It's in the neighborhood. So the food goes from your garden to a food pantry to a hungry family's dinner table uh, within a few hours or on the same day basis, which makes it as the freshest possible food you can get. All right, Bill, thanks
4: for the phone call. Appreciate it. Gary Oppenheimer, thank you so much for, for dropping by again. Uh, again, the website ampleharvest.org. You can find a lot of different ways to make good use of your food. And I guess we'll talk, I hope we talk to you real soon, not just a year I from now. So. All right, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More coming
9: up. Captain's Log, started 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Worf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus.
4: That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak.
0: Mike Novak.
4: I'm
8: familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century.
9: Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data.
8: He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe.
9: Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories.
4: Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com.
2: Aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. Around
6: BlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat.
4: And make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and- what about those sweet potatoes? Well, make sure all they I get to somebody to who needs them. Definitely. All I need is all I, well, all anybody needs all is good need food to eat, food and that's what we were talking about. I saw a wonderful message from our friend Lisa Albrecht, uh, who is uh, with the Illinois Solar Energy Association. and uh, Albrecht Solar. And Albrecht Solar. She gets the double ding. Uh, she writes, life is... R- all
7: bright Solar.
4: all bright Solar. That's right. All right. That's true. <laughs> Let's get the name right. Uh, well, you know, you can advertise on the show, Lisa. Uh, anyway, life is miraculous, she writes. Yesterday I committed to learning more, and today Mike leads me to Gary. Thanks, Universe, and thanks, Gary, Mike, and Peggy. And if she, if you wonder what she's talking about, you just tuned in. That was Gary Oppenheimer from uh, AmpleHarvest.org. Go to AmpleHarvest.org, and they have all kinds of ways for you to make sure that your food gets to the people who need food and doesn't uh, get wasted and doesn't get wasted I, I mean if you're composting that's like the last resort at least you're composting that's me so, I'm, at, I'm at last resort uh but uh yeah it's uh, we could all be better we waste i mean it's we didn't even go into all the numbers they're
7: 40%
4: at uh, least it's staggering yeah it's 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 discouraging is what it it's is. Disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's we have another D word we can use? Okay. Uh, we need to give away... Prizes, prizes, prizes. All right. So we... we're going to figure... We're going to find out who's listening and who's not.
7: The studio has a large pile of $10 gift certificates to the Firehouse Grill in Evanston, and we're going to give one away?
4: Yeah. Let's do that right now. Uh, we're going to make it easy on you. Not so easy on uh, Randall and Andrew and Ellie. Seventh caller... At 877-711-5611. I just want to make sure there's seven people listening. That's why I do. So seventh caller at 877-711-5611. We'll get a $10 gift certificate to the Firehouse Grill in Evanston. Um, And um, uh, it's a great place to go have some fun and have have some grub um, and don't order too much. So, because you don't want to waste any of that food, or
7: take it home and have it for lunch tomorrow. Or,
4: that's that's what I do. It's, sometimes I get three or four <laughs> meals out of a out of a restaurant. Eight seven 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 eleven fifty six eleven. You'll get a ten dollar gift certificate if you're the seventh caller. That's all it takes. And it's, the phones are lighting up. Okay, good to see that. Uh, next week, okay, folks. Oh, yeah. This is like a this I I can remember. When I was working in radio in Detroit in 1977, I was alone in the uh, the newsroom at uh, oh, dear. WWJ, <laughs> and the, the the AP.
7: Oh yeah.
4: You know, it was actually five. It was a five dinger, just like that. And I went, "Uh oh, big Breaking story! News. Elvis was dead." Elvis
7: had left the building. And I
4: actually, for a long time, had the first copy, Elvis Presley has died. And I held on to that for a long time, and then I lost track of it. Oh, well. Uh uh, Dinger, next week, we are not here in the studio. We are so excited. We are broadcasting live from Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie down Wilmington Way, and we are so excited because <laughs> we are going to be on top of a bunker. Now, if you've never been to Medewin, it's the site of the old Joliet Arsenal. All right, this is where we built bombs and other stuff like that for World War II. And it has been converted into 19,000—well, it's being. It's going to take a long time. But prairie is being uh, put in there. There are now bison there. In fact, we're going to be on top of one of the old bunkers that still exist. You can go inside the bunker, and maybe we're we're going to have bunker cam there (laughs) next week. That'll be the echo cam, too. Echo cam, bunker cam. Man, uh, and, uh, we, um, it, unless it rains and please don't rain, Rick DeMaio, please don't let it rain next week because we, we want to be, be on,
7: searching for bison. We're
4: going to be looking for bison at the top of this bunker at Madewin National Tall Grass Prairie. I want to thank, uh, Veronica Hinke, who's the best PR person ever. You folks at the national, uh, or, or the, the USDA Forest Service, you don't know what you have there. Okay. She's so great. In fact, she... <laughs> She's sent me a list of like a hundred guests. It's like, who do you want on the show? Um, I can't do a hundred, okay. Although Bill Turk's going to try to do a hundred guests on the show. I don't know if you saw his post. Oh yeah, he's trying to go into the Guinness Book of Records or something. Well, la di da. You just go ahead and do that, Bill. But Turks. we'll have bison. We'll have bison on our show, and we're going to. We hope so. Well, very because there's a
7: lot of National Bison Day and other activities coming up. So And this is a uh, I think predecessor op- to that,
4: Open Lands is going to be involved with us next week. I think. Um, and also, uh, Possibility Place Nursery, because they're just down the road in Moni. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to drag Connor Shaw or Kelsey Shaw over there to talk about native plants. Uh, we'll be on Bison Watch. I mean, I I, I am so psyched for this. This is going to be so much fun. We got to be tweeting this out right now, Ellie and Peggy. Let folks know we're live from Madewin National. T- and you know how to spell Madewin, right? It's it looks like Midewin. M-I-D-E-W-I-N, but it's Midewin, uh, National Tallgrass Prairie. Uh, Do we have Nick? a winner yet? Uh, we got a winner? Who's our winner? Our winner is Matt from Park Ridge. Matt from Park Ridge. You got two. Ten- Woohoo! So, uh, yeah, Park Ridge isn't that far away. I figured it'd be somebody in the neighborhood. So uh, he's got a $10 gift certificate to the Firehouse Grill in Evanston, and congratulations to Matt. And thank you to the Firehouse Grill for supporting WCGO. Uh, and being part of this. All right, when we come back, get ready to learn more about Helianthus than you ever wanted to know, sometimes known as Sunflower. Uh, We've got the cast and crew from Helianthus with an exclamation mark. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. From boat to doorstep.
7: The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, summer light in the middle of winter. It's fall, and it's a great time of year to plant just about anything native. Once again, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is happy to team with Natural Communities Native Plants to encourage you to make a quick, easy change in the world around you by planting natives. Just like bulbs, native perennial plants installed in the late summer and fall develop their roots and get a head start in the spring. This helps cut down on weeding and also gets you more mature plants with better blooms next year. Fall also usually brings more rain and cooler temperatures than the harsh summer, which helps get plants established. Make a difference right now that's going to last for years. Make the switch to natives, Natural Communities native plants. Go to naturalcommunities.net and use the code MIKE. You'll get 10% off your purchase until October 1st. So bring birds, bees, butterflies, and beauty to your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net.
4: What is this place? You're in uncharted territory.
2: What do you mean? Where are
4: we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please.
9: 1590
7: WCGO
5: Chicago.
4: Okay, folks. If you, okay, if you're going to cough, you got to like. Turn off my mic, not theirs. Turn off their mic when they're coughing. Mark, mark, mark those microphones there on, on the control board. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we're very uh, pleased to have a bunch of coughers in the studio. Uh, <coughs> Uh, Okay, you too, Peggy. You can turn your head away, too, as well. Uh, I was very happy yesterday that I got to go out and uh, see uh, a production. Um, I've seen a fair amount of theater in my life and uh, (laughs) been in a few shows myself. But uh, this was outdoors. This was up on uh, Winthrop, North Winthrop, 4900 North Winthrop, in Chicago, in basically what is, a, it's an empty lot, you know, between buildings, between two and three flats, and uh, there's a garden there, and it has been turned into a theater uh, by a group called Green Scene, and uh, one of the folks who's connected with Green Scene, is Marty Sanders. Marty is in the studio today with some of the folks who performed yesterday. I'm going to start with you, Marty, before I introduce the other folks here. Marty, tell me a little bit about Green Scene, and welcome to the Mike Novak Show, by the way.
5: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um,
4: Let's pull that microphone up just a tad.
5: Okay.
4: Oops. Sorry. You broke it.
5: Whoopsie. Try that. Is that better?
4: Okay, now (laughs) bring it down. There we go. Okay.
5: So, uh, Green Scene uh, was started back in 2013, and I began to envision this idea of a theater garden that uh, would use kids and community to create community programming, arts programming in the garden. So, it kind of developed over a number of years, and it's actually uh, a, a project that is ongoing right now, I work with teenagers every summer in the garden, uh, and they become my green scene teen ensemble. And they develop the garden space and the shows that I develop in the garden with them. And so we have turned our theater, our our, our green area, into a theater theater um using the different vegetables and different plants that we plant every year.
4: And has has the theater been in that space the whole time?
5: Yes, we intentionally planned the space with that theater in mind. Ah. So and, and that's had, the Harmony Arts Garden. The Winthrop Harmony Arts Garden. That's right. Yes. That's
4: what I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Harmony Arts Garden.
5: So when I looked at the space, um initially it was a it was kind of a trashed out piece of land. Of course, land. that's the way those <laughs> things work in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um and so it, there was a big shady zone that wouldn't be ideal for growing. So that's where we have kind of put our, our theater garden right. space. But along one wall of that, it's very bright and sunny. So we're able to grow really tall, different plants along that wall. And that becomes the backdrop for most Including of our shows.
4: Including helianthus. Although right. Although I've seen, uh, I saw in other years that you had some vines there yes. and other things So for we do backdrop. earth-based
5: tails. We develop um, different tales based on different plant life. So this year we told the story of the sunflower as it uh, made its journey from Mesoamerica all the way to Russia. Don't you use those
4: big words on me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's Sunday morning. Mesoamerica, come
8: on.
5: So it was cultivated initially by the Aztec people. Okay. And then it made its way over to Spain. And then it made its way to the Netherlands where Peter the Great fell wait, in wait, love wait, with wait. it. Okay,
4: now you're getting ahead of it. So, I mean, cuz uh, Peter the Great is happens to be in the studio today. So, although he seems to be uh, to have uh, a cough. So, uh,
7: <laughs> so, Let's introduce Peter the Great
4: over here. Okay, hey there Peter the Great. <laughs> Hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, my
10: name is Hakeem Mohammed. Um, Peter uh, the Great was my role.
4: <laughs> what, just one of your roles, because everybody role. plays a yeah. lot of different roles. And standing, right. okay, so uh, Hakeem, what was it? Hakeem Mohammed. Uh, Hakeem Mohammed. And next to you is um, Evelyn Hernandez, and, and
3: I played Helianthus.
4: She pl- she's kind of the focal point of mm-hmm. the show, yes. and and not only uh, does she play Helianthus, but you have sort of a Helianthus puppet in mm-hmm. your hand yes. as well, which mm-hmm. is. That, which I love. It's a, it's a really cool puppet. All right. Next to you is?
1: Uh, Ida Zaleka.
4: And you play a bunch of roles, too. What's what's What are some of the roles you play?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, let's see. I am a European. I am Vincent van Gogh. Oh, that's my favorite part. You like uh, your,
4: your Vincent van Gogh rocked the house. <laughs> and and I when I got home last night and I was putting this all together... I was kind of mad at myself because I did not get a photo of you playing Vincent Van Gogh because that that orange beard was hilarious. (laughs) That was really funny.
5: I miss that. You're also the Queen of Spain. The Queen of Spain. Yes. And...
1: a conquistador. A conquistador. A conquistador, conquistador. Mm-hmm. yes.
4: And you guys have fight scenes in there. And, <laughs> and a boat. And a I boat. And and chases. You have chases yes. through, through the stage. I mean, it helps to have a place where you can run off to behind the growing plants. You right. know. And, and, in fact, I love your dressing room because it's like on the other side of of a bunch of rudbeckia, I think is what you've got. Yeah, yeah. it's
5: called autumn sun coneflower. It's tall. It's very tall flower. Yeah, and it grows. It's beautiful in July, and, and it's, it's it has yeah, passed it's, its
4: prime. Now you can see the yeah. seed seed heads on it. So right. it's really cool. Right. So, but uh, the 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 dressing area where they. And the costumes, by the way, it's
5: their green room. Their green room is
4: literally green. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And um, I I have to tell you, I I loved everything about the play. I loved the acting. I loved the script. I loved the costumes. I loved the props. I loved the energy. I mean, just all of it was just excellent and very well done. You uh, you guys, you got. I was at the three o'clock show. What was uh, and the. it was packed. Did you? Was it like that at five? Also yesterday?
10: Yeah. I think it was kind of less at five. Than yeah, at three o'clock.
4: were th- more kids. Yeah, the, there more, more kids. kids. Well, yeah. but then yeah. see that you guys need the kids because right. yeah. there were a lot of adults when I was there, and they. I'm sorry, they just don't get it. Okay, (laughs) they're not going to jump up and be part of the cast. It's just you know. Right. This
5: was a pageant, so we did invite ten kids Mm -hmm. into every show. But when we when we this was a remount of the show that we did in July. Right. And so when we play in July, we bring children in from. Seven social service agencies. They bring their summer campers over yeah. on a field trip to see us. So, in you should come back in July because it is packed with children from Chinese Mutual Aid, Vietnamese Association, Uptown Ministries, um, Alternatives, Boys McCormick Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Um, we just uh, we we do a lot of outreach into the neighborhood and bring all those kids in to see the shows for free, and it's really so fun to involve them this year in the pageant and actually put them on the stage because a lot of those kids are also in garden clubs over at the garden so they're they're familiar with the space and they're familiar with planting and we also brought some of them in to make props so all those fish that you saw Mm -hmm. yesterday yeah in the when she's when helianthus is sailing across the atlantic Uh those were all made by kids from the neighborhood Oh, and awesome. um, all the sunflowers that were planted all over the set, the little, th- those were all made by children from the neighborhood. So we have, like, it's very, um, we reach out in a lot of different ways, and it's a lot of fun. And these so, guys were awesome So yesterday. do you I'm guys all go, to, them.
4: do you all go to the same school?
10: No. We're, we all are, like, from all over the place.
4: Oh, really? Okay, so tell me where, what schools you go to.
3: I go to Lincoln Park High School.
4: Okay. What what grade are you in? A junior. Okay.
10: I um I just graduated from Sin High School. So right now I'm I used not to live I used to
4: live across the street from Sin High School for on Thorndale. Yeah. yeah that's, for a, for a, that's a nice area. Yeah. That's, a nice, area. that's a nice place. But uh later? and you?
1: I go to Northside Side College. I'm
4: a okay. senior right now. So uh all high schoolers are just out of high school and yeah. uh so now we promised uh the audience that my listening audience that you learned something about Helianthus today. So <laughs> who wants who uh, who wants to give us some facts about uh, you start, I think. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> well, the, they're all looking at Evelyn there. So uh, tell us, uh, she what she had the
7: title role. <laughs> yeah, you had. The, so
4: you must know something. Although I'm going to make uh, uh, Hakeem do something as uh, Peter the Great at some point. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah. uh, so tell us, what what do we need to know about Helianthus to start? It started mm-hmm. in North America yeah. or, or or in the Mesoamerica mm-hmm. as uh, uh, which
3: is now Mexico, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, the Aztecs used the sunflower as kind of like their main source for clothes, food, um, shelter, shelter, and they pretty much praised the sunflower because of how much they used it for, and. Um,
4: but it would, but it didn't look like the sunflower that we have now, did it?
3: Yeah, it didn't. It used to. I guess it used to be pretty small, mm-hmm. but Russia genetically engineered it. Now as the famous mammoth russian sunflower so it's a lot taller and bigger not as
4: those tall. darn rooskies had to get involved all right <laughs> yeah. all right all right peter the great uh tell me about your participation in, well first of all as you you tell in the play and you started to tell us marty mm-hmm. and i interrupted you but i wanted the kids to help Got do it. this too is it starts here and then the conquistadors come right, mm-hmm. right. uh so conquistador tell us what what you guys did <laughs> uh Let's talk right into the microphone okay
1: I died, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. this, that's got me. Um, but uh, my fellow actor, who was conquistador, the other conquistador with me, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> um <laughs> shout out to Jesus. Uh, shout okay. out to Jesus. Right. <laughs> <Yes. All right. laughs> um. So uh, he took the sunflower to Spain to meet um, for the Queen of Spain. So mm-hmm. I played as Queen of Spain and he took the sunflower across the Atlantic to meet me. Um,
4: just one sunflower though, right? Just, just one plant. one. I would think, <laughs> I would think it was think more just, than yeah. one sunflower, <laughs> but you know, we it only have sense, one ever. But in
1: general, the conquistadors yeah. brought the sunflowers back to Spain. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And then from there, it goes to the Netherlands because Ice wants to send some of the romantic seeds. Like the seeds have like... An aphrodisiac. An aphrodisiac. <laughs> that, that, that kept
4: coming up in the play, that a whole idea is like, you know, this is kind of PG material there, Marty. You you and your aphrodisiac well, we, we thing. We have
5: to play to a, a broad audience. We have adults and children. Well, you know, that's
4: true, but you also have teenagers, and they right. want something a little spicy in there, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, so it goes to the Netherlands, and that's where Peter the Great comes in, right, Peter?
10: Right. So, and then... Um... Peter the Great comes from Russia and he's a Tsar and basically he's trying to reform Russia because they're like stuck in the middle ages as <laughs> we've heard in the play. <laughs> and and, the, and still he are, travels right? to yeah. travels to Europe mm-hmm. and when he's in Europe he gets all these ideas that he takes back to um to Russia. And apparently like he tried to hide that he was the Tsar <laughs> yeah. and that didn't really work because they're like, "Oh, And he's really tall, too. So, like, everyone knew who he was when he he got there. And he was wearing a sash. Yeah, Yeah, and he was wearing a sash, Uh, which is interesting because he's trying to be incognito, but he has (laughs) servants and stuff like that. So it didn't really work out like that. But uh, so then he takes all these ideas and he brings them back to to Russia. And basically he just, like, his whole life is reforming Russia, Mm -hmm. as far as I know.
7: Building St. Petersburg and making it look like
5: Europe,
10: right. <laughs> Basically,
5: apparently he he did um, disguise himself to learn how to build ships, hmm. and uh, really and, and okay. in the Netherlands, and he tried to disguise himself. But he's super tall, yeah. and he's a redhead, and they and he had this entourage <laughs> of people, so they knew, you know, and, they and knew probably he spoke a different language, yeah, <laughs> right, right, with the accent, <laughs> right, and he had an accent, so. And he had a, a long, long title, which Hakim has to say several times yeah. in the show he, as the he
10: introduces great, the it. the grace of God, the most excellent and great sovereign prince, Peter Alikshevik, the ruler of all Russia, was in power.
7: <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened when Russia got the sunflower seeds? What did they do?
10: Basically, um... Can I see this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well first, I think, like, it was just... For eating, you know, the aphrodisiac effects, <laughs> and then further down the line.
3: Okay, so Russia started to grow more of me all over Russia, so <laughs> <laughs> they, they just really liked me, and um, they started exporting me and my sunflower oil for burning in lamps and oil for cooking, and then the United States also wanted more of me, so the scientists of the 1950s had to figure out some way to export much more, because I was just a tiny plant which is how it got me to be a much bigger plant because the scientists needed a way to get more of me to share it with the rest of the world.
10: And our missing members would have been able to do their part because they were the
4: scientists. <laughs> they, uh-huh. They're not here. The scientists yeah. are and not here. They had here. like their whole
10: role about that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Hazels. Judith uh, yeah. uh, Judith and Jesus.
4: Who else? You okay? Do your shout outs. Who else you want to do a shout out to? Shout
10: out to my mom. Shout out to my brother. Uh-huh. Shout out to.
4: I hope they're that's listening. That's about it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Anybody uh, else?
3: Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my fam and my friends. Shout What's out that? to my fans. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, our fans. We got fans. Sometimes we get stopped by on the street. Like, That's oh so hey, are you are, are you Helianthus? And I'm like, oh yeah. And it's just kind of funny sometimes. <laughs> you know what? I
4: think you need to change your name to Helianthus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then and no and no last name. So it's you know just like Sting and all of. People that just have the one name thing right. share. Prince. Now you'd just be Helianthus <laughs> Prince, big and powerful name. Yes, uh, you know, and and you're right. And one of the things that happened with the plant, because I did some research of my own on this, is that the uh, and we're going to break here, but we'll we'll come back when the Russians got uh, a hold of it. They and the oil part of it is very interesting because um, there were certain, I guess, various religious. Religion said you can't have oil during certain parts of the year. Right. But Helianthus had an exception. It was an exception. So Mm -hmm. they started working on the oil, and they (laughs) they increased the oil content in the plant from 28% to 50%. Wow. That's one of the things that the Russians Mm -hmm. did. Uh, And so it became a big oil crop. So it was a food crop. It was an oil crop. Uh, Obviously, that's the main uh, uh, use of the plant. Pretty much in the world today, I think. And also,
5: the stems were um, used in life preservers.
4: The, uh, the uh, stock, uh, we'll right? To, I don't know. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So it's Novak Show with Sheffers Peggy Malecki. More Helianthus <laughs> when we come back.
0: Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green.
4: Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to ChicagolandGardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to StateByStateGardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600.
9: That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on.
4: And here we are on the ship taking Helianthus (laughs) from Mesoamerica across to Spain you guys could have used this you know one of the things i didn't mention you also had music right accompaniment what was the name of the uh the
5: pollinators
4: the pollinators you got <laughs> mm-hmm. it all right they get a ding too yep. all right yeah thank right. you and uh it's just uh it's it takes a village to put on a play doesn't it
5: Yes, it does. And these, these guys come and work with me in April and plant the seeds. So they're, they're taking so to speak. The, the seeds and, and working Literally the set. Literally and figuratively. Working the set, yeah. yeah. And
7: they're working with you on the script, too. Yes,
5: yes. Um, what we do is some development of the script through improvisation mm-hmm. and writing. And uh, we've told the tale of Jekyll and the Beanstalk, and we grew uh, Scarlet Runner beans for that show all over the set. Mm-hmm. And we told. Love Scarlet Runner beans. Uh, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we told um, A Tale of Three Sisters last year, mm-hmm. talking about corn, bean, and squash and the Iroquois planting of that. And so we had corn and bean and squash growing all over that, that site. And then this that year. makes no sense. Was the okay. I'm sorry, Mr. Obama. Sunflower. It does
4: actually make sense growing, <laughs> growing those all, all together. Okay.
5: Mm-hmm. So um, okay. last year, Evelyn, who is Helianthus, was bean. <laughs> and um, well, you you just play a lot of roles, yeah? There, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Bean I, I, was a spinner, like so she was always twirling around and yeah. spinning.
4: Wow! And did um, you get dizzy? Oh yeah.
3: Well, sometimes <laughs> I had. I, I, there was this one scene where I had to spin and jump a lot, and I almost fell, but I kept myself up. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind. Bean is kind of, kind of seen as a little clumsy too. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And, she's
3: always silly and playful. Yeah. <laughs>
5: and Hakim was a a, a wolf
4: last year. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. um, it was like not advice p- giver. Uh, advice giver? Yeah. Advice oh, giver. Yeah. okay. I like that. Not and
5: in the past, Ida was the, uh, in Jacqueline and the Beanstalk, she was what? Jello the Cello. Jello the Cello.
4: Jello the Cello. She plays
5: cello, and so we r- replaced the, the um, golden harp with cello. You should have brought it. I, cello. I,
4: I'd have let you play here today. if You if you, you know, that's one of the things I like is that it just, uh, it was it's very. I uh, hate to use the word but organic mm-hmm. um and um so tell me a little bit uh you guys as actors um putting this together um do you do you like acting is this something you want to pursue um tell me a little bit about the process of rehearsals uh what what did you find interesting what did you uh, find challenging
10: well uh talk about this yeah go ahead so last year what we did was like step right up to the mic last year what we did was we kind of like before we started marty gave us like a prompt like what would you do in this situation Mm -hmm. like if you were this character and then like write all the things that the character would do and say and how they would act in that situation and then we brought it and that was kind of like how we got our roles somewhat Mm -hmm. for that last show which was the three sisters this year it was more like um Rehearsal That was, like, a main thing that we had to focus on because, like, we all had a lot of lines. I had a lot of lines. <laughs> yeah, Evelyn you do. Had, yeah. Evelyn had, like, narration. probably more lines than me and a lot of narration. So yeah. Like, mm-hmm. What we had to focus on was, like, making sure we got it and then, like, we had the right inflection in our voices and all of that when we were doing it because... uh like, if we miss something, then everyone else is going to be like, what's going on? And then we have to just go <laughs> well, from welcome go Welcome to theater, okay? There. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot improv. of improv. A lot of improv was, <laughs> was used in the show. But, yes.
4: uh, uh, Evelyn, yeah, you have a lot of narrative there. Right. You're up there saying, and then the heliathus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
7: and now, keeping the puppet going at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah,
3: the puppet was kind of hard because it's kind of like multitasking, mm-hmm. and it. That was pretty hard yeah. for me. but And also the narration because sometimes in the beginning I didn't really get what was going on. So because of that I wasn't really getting into my character and going with the lines, with the flow. So that was pretty hard. But Miss Marty gave me advice to um, color like color code them and practice them in order that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of helped because, and also imagine it. Because that, that helped me um, know what was going on and what my role was. And I really got into character that way. So yeah. I'm really happy that she gave me that
7: advice. So your your role was as a sunflower, but you had a sunflower puppet mm-hmm. to help tell the story for yeah. our listeners who haven't seen it.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she had the bulk of narration to to bring the story, to tell the entire story mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. you know, with little scenes in between. She became the kind of the conduit yeah. of mm-hmm. knowledge for all of us.
4: The second two shows uh, yesterday must have been a lot easier because you'd already done it. A couple of times earlier in the summer, uh, but you had to go back and uh, relearn the lines and rehearse again, mm-hmm. or what?
10: Uh, it was kind of like we didn't really go back so much because, like, I kind of remembered it at that uh-huh. point, so mm-hmm. I didn't really rehearse that much on my own time. <laughs> really? And then we just yeah, I, I didn't really rehearse Uh-oh. that much on my own time. Wow, busting then, himself here. And then, like once we got to it, it was like okay. We got mm-hmm. most of this, like we remembered a lot of it, but there were a mm-hmm. few sure. specific parts mm-hmm. that sure. is like, dang, yes. yeah, got to yeah. go back over that part, right,
7: Ida?
1: Yeah, it went a lot smoother. I have a lot of characters, so uh-huh. like changing costumes and everything was quite a mess at the beginning, but um, <laughs> like the second time we put it up, it, it really flowed. It was really yeah. good. We uh, mm-hmm. we got everything together.
4: I just, uh, again, part of part of the fun is the quick changes that you guys do, running off stage, grabs a prop, grab. A, Putting beards piece, on, and putting that. yeah, beard. <laughs> <laughs> some, some of that was just a stitch. There's
5: a lot of women with beards in the I shop. know. I like that part <laughs> I of it. Know, that it's was a lot pretty of fun. very yeah.
4: fun. Um, see, in the old days, what we used to do is that men would play women, but now it's women playing men, which is so Ooh. much better. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, Marty.
5: And it is true. Peter the Great did have a beard tax when he went when he went to uh, Europe and he saw that they weren't wearing beards. He came back and he. Made his nobles pay a tax if they wanted to have a beard, <laughs> which is why um, in our show, Vanya, who is Peter the Great's manservant, played by Judith, shout um, out to Judith, <laughs> Judith. <laughs> shout out to Judith. Um, the, when he says you have to pay a tax, she immediately removes her beard. I don't know if you saw that moment.
4: Uh, yeah, I, d- I did <laughs> see t- that, and um, uh, Mr. Obama says this
8: is
0: not normal.
4: Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was
10: a good part of the show, but I feel mm-hmm. like I could have like played it off a little better because I it was kind of rushed in the last <laughs> show because it was like you'll pay a tax, and then like I kind of looked
5: and she's taking the beard off, and I'm like let uh, me look back away.
1: <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. But you try to
5: get Vincent Van Gogh to pay yeah. a tax too. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: It was salty. I didn't want to paint it. So yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, what's next for you guys? Uh, I, I do do uh, acting in, in high school as well. Are you planning to pursue this, or are what are you studying?
1: Um, there was a fall play at school, uh, but I couldn't, like, audition for it or anything because I, I didn't think I would have enough, like, time. There was a lot of time commitment, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, so college stuff hey believe like, me it doesn't change okay <laughs> yeah. you,
4: uh, if you yeah. do theater be prepared to have it be a real time suck okay that's that's <laughs> uh, i'm sorry it's true it's why i don't do it anymore it's just like so much time and uh, and then it's over right you know wow so yeah. but so do, do you want it you want to do more theater
1: i do i'm interested in uh trying to do more theater and maybe <sighs> later on in high school they're like other plays but they're mm-hmm. musicals and i can't sing so, <laughs> I'm looking for the non-singing roles. Um, you know
4: what? It's nice to know your limitations. It's good to know that. I mean, I heard that, what's his name tried to sing in "Mamma Mia." Um, the tall, uh, oh, uh, oh, I, I'm not going to remember his name. <laughs> Kathleen's listening and she's shouting S- it. Somebody it at,
3: will put it. On she's Facebook. shouting
4: it out <laughs> at the radio right now, so uh, he can't sing either. So, uh, <laughs> uh, oh yes. Oh
3: okay. Um. Well. I like to act for fun because I am able to make people laugh and happy, and I really enjoy seeing many people, even adults and old people and small people be very happy, what but I'm not people? sure. huh?
10: What about big people?
3: Okay, big people too. <laughs> uh, everyone. I like to make people smile, and acting is gives me that ability to do that. But also, I'm not sure if I want to do that when I grow up because I really like... I like to help others and learn about different cultures. But maybe acting would be, like, a fun hobby, like if something's going on, like the garden. Like, that's one So what do you hobby. want to study? I'm um, not sure. Like I said, I know I just... it's early. You don't have to make yeah. up your mind today. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. In, fact,
4: in fact, yeah, I want you to make it by uh, about 10, 50, 45. <laughs> could, you, could you have that uh, figured out? <laughs> Could you have yeah. your life figured out for me? Please, I, I by just, then?
3: I just know I like to help others mm-hmm. and learn about different cultures. Yeah. And you know, when I grow up, I, I really like to travel around the world and maybe help many people if, if I can. That's yeah. pretty much what I have in mind.
4: And Hakeem, what about you, dude? Uh, I mean, I like
10: acting. I did a little bit of acting in school. I did a, um a improv after school matters program, and that was kind of like the first acting thing I did. And then from there. In um senior year there was Othello and I played Othello in that part. But it wasn't like really serious. if it was, more I was serious. gonna have
4: you say, Okay, give me some lines, I'll do some Iago, you do Othello <laughs> and let's 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 roll on this.
10: Um, but yeah, and then but, like when we did the Othello thing, we even um tried to like make it modern. Yeah. And like I had a lot of modern ideas like, Oh yeah, we're in the classroom on Snapchat. And, like, Yago stole Othello's girl, and that's, like, the whole situation. But, like, people were like, no, we got to do it old school. But that was the point. <laughs> but, you know, you, you but use that, that old line, school.
4: old school. In fact, it's on uh, videos, and folks want to see some of this uh, in action. I, I went out there and did a little bit of live Facebook streaming from Helianthus mm-hmm. uh, at uh, uh, at the park yesterday. So you can, you can go to my uh, Facebook page, uh, the, the Mike, Mike Novak, Novak show. show. Right, The Mike Novak Show, and you can see that there. Uh,
7: instantly it was Pierce Brosnan
4: there we go who it Mac was Mac Pierce Brosnan sing. cannot sing oh. apparently apparently he's like the worst ever and uh, <laughs> so uh you know you don't have to worry about it there are ways you uh, you can get around it
7: so uh, Marty if if I can ask Marty a question yeah. here um you've been teaching garden arts to K through 12 mm-hmm. for a while mm-hmm. and what what's your overall goal with that where are
5: you taking that Well, um, I want to continue doing that work, Mm -hmm. and I want to continue to develop the Winthrop Harmony Arts Mm -hmm. Garden and bring in more teenager ensembles to create these earth-based tales. I I have kind of stumbled upon, over six years of doing it, a model that I think works really well with the, with the, the teens, like bringing them in in April, keeping them with me once a week, you know, to build the set, grow the set, create the show. It, it's it's a, a model I like, and I'm trying to um, get some potential partners or funders to join me in the work. Um, creative partners, garden partners, that kind of thing. I'm also going back to school uh, to get my master's in social work. Ah. Maybe take this into the juvenile justice system.
4: Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, thank you all. For coming in, thank you for the show. I I'm really, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it again. I really enjoyed it. It was a, a delightful time. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, is he the rapper? Is Hakeem the rapper that oh. you?
5: Yeah, yeah. Hakeem. Oh no. He, you, you got like 30 <laughs> seconds. Give me,
4: give me something. Uh, what do we have to give him a theme? Uh, go ahead. Give me a theme. I'll, I'll try uh, to go off a theme.
10: Helianthus. Hel- okay, Helianthus. <laughs> that's that. That's a tough one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was Peter the Great. The crew on scene was great. I'll keep using the same word. Train of thought is like a
4: freight train. Ooh. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org.
7: If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that uh, a couple of junipers on a lawn just ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long-overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16 at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impact conference.
4: Hi, this is Ron Calga from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here, live on 1590 WCGO. You know, I'm feeling kind of ecumenical today because of this, the Helianthus. So I've got my Colors of the World CD and just playing uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. From and we got Rick. <laughs> do we? Why what do we want to do with him? Oh, okay. Hey, welcome he's back He's dancing. To, I know, he's dancing. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, is on the phone. And uh Rick, it's Good morning, guys. uh Hi. Good morning. It's been a kind of an up uh, and fall. Hi, yeah, it sure feels like Instant. Well, it exactly, because we went from what you wrote to me uh the other day and said we had 93 on Thursday, and I was kind of surprised that the temperature was that high. And you said that was yeah. 20 degrees over the average, the norm.
2: For yeah, that isn't that day. amazing? I, I, I tell my students that's like hitting 104 uh, in the middle of July. That's, that's about as hot as you'll see it. In fact, uh, that was our 26th day above 90 for the year. Um, I think it kind of pushes us into the 15th. I think it was the 16th, but this may be the 15th warmest or the 15th highest number of 90s that we've had. Uh, but I think what's more interesting, guys, I was looking this up on the Midwest Regional Climate Site, and there's a couple of different ways that you can kind of, you know, kind of finagle the numbers or kind of look at the numbers. But this is only the fourth time that we've had—I shouldn't say the fourth time, but this is the fourth highest number of overnight low temperatures that have been this warm. So, in other words, if you go through the entire Midwest, all the way back to about 1870, and you look at the overnight lows for the period June, July, and August, for mm-hmm. the Midwest, this was actually the fourth most, or the fourth warmest overnight low period. So, again, we we talked about this before, that the summer season that basically just ended officially, I guess, yesterday, or maybe on Friday when the cold front came through, yeah, uh, was not so much defined by the afternoon high temperatures, but the overnight low temperatures. And I think if you recall Thursday night, it was literally like 85 degrees yeah. at midnight, which is just unheard of for this time of the year.
4: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and, and maybe we'll get a comment from uh, Marty, who's uh, still in the, uh, uh, the studio with us from... Uh, from Green scene Chicago, I mentioned earlier in the show, Rick, that I thought this summer was sneaky warm uh, because it didn't yeah, it yeah. did it didn't feel like it was. And you just you just proved that by talking about the overnight low temperatures uh, of the, right. f- the fourth highest. Because i I had a really good tomato crop. And uh I wasn't prepared to because it, it didn't because we had such a cool spring and rainy and it seemed to set everything back, and everybody had a hard time you- you guys probably had a hard time getting stuff planted in the spring because it was cool and rainy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to uh to all the folks in the studio here uh Marty, how did you find that things grew uh Did you have uh, a good tomato crop this year
5: we We have an excellent tomato crop, but they're still not ripe. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, see,
4: I've gotten a lot of mine got ripe. I mean, I yeah. now you have you're limited by how much sun you get in that little area, unfortunately. I, and I've seen a lot of well, garden.
5: the tomato, the tomato beds the are way in the back, and they so they get a lot of sun. But we, I actually started those from seed with mm-hmm. with teenagers in a high school um, that I oh, teach wow. at. So my tomatoes Good were kid. started from seed, and and um, they're they're coming along. I,
4: I tell you what, you need Happy Leaf Grow Light. Really? Happy Leaf LED. Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> okay. we know where you can
7: find something. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really.
4: Yeah, right. no, that's what we use, and I grow mine indoors yeah. uh-huh. to get them started. But 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 back to Rick. It, I was surprised at how warm the summer was because it didn't feel like that to me. Right. So um,
2: yeah, yeah, and and again, like well, I always tell people, you know, when you start to pull apart, you know, climate numbers, and you kind of go, yeah, but this didn't happen because we didn't have any of this. You're you're really not understanding all the different ways that climate numbers can aggregate into certain type of um, what I'd like to call, you know, objective phenomena, where you go, okay, this is what actually happened, as opposed to subjective phenomena, which is what people generally tend to feel, which is generally what they tend to be used to, and 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 that's where a lot of times people go. Um, actually, I asked my students, and this was kind of interesting, on Thursday, I go, how many people actually heard the term near record high for the couple of warm days that we had the week before and then on Thursday? And the thing is, you didn't because you're kind of used to it being warm. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you're talking 15 to 20 degrees above normal, that's a really big deal. Yeah. So it, it always it always tends to be a part of more the subjective conscious that people are not going to basically observed certain odd things about climate. And I think this this summer kind of you know pans out from that standpoint.
4: You know, and I want to say, you guys here in the studio, uh, again, we've got Evelyn, Hakeem, and Ada. Um, this is <laughs> – and they're waving to the camera, which is great. <laughs> okay, this is the time to do it. This guy teaches at Loyola, Rick DeMaio, and he teaches climate and weather, and that's a great thing to study. You guys uh, – some of you uh, – Hakeem, yeah? Yeah. Oh, can you put, Can we get hockey? Okay, go ahead, hockey. Where do you think like the climate is taking us? Ah, that's a question for you, Rick, from uh, from hockey, one of our students. Where do you? Th- where do? Where
10: do you, where do you like again? think the climate is going? Because like you're saying, like record, near record high climate. Like where? Where is this leading
2: um, to? Well, well, I, I think Hakim and and you have to almost say, you know, where is it where is it heading? Depending on where you live. Because in certain, part, in certain parts of the United States, we haven't seen much in an increase in overall temperature, but we've seen an, o- an increase in the overall um, you know, rainfall, particularly across the southeast up into the northeast. Studies have shown that summers really haven't gotten hotter, but they've gotten much more humid. And that comes from a standpoint of how does that affect you know, what, what we call the ecosystem and the biosphere. Right. Um, I don't know how many people were out over the last week. But the mosquitoes, Mike. Oh yeah, I got we two bites just that. this morning. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Yeah, they all know it because they were yeah. performing
2: outdoors.
4: <laughs> it was a war yeah. with the mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, I
2: yeah, it, it was it was unbelievable. So from that standpoint, if you work for a certain you know city, if you're a mayor of a small town, do you have to then worry about during times when you have extreme rainfall events? Do you have to worry about possibly sprain? A second and a third time and is that in your budget okay right. that's one thing i always like to think about is how it affects money and then we talk about yeah. climate change say in the desert southwest where we think more about heat and drought and lack of water okay how do you then go about setting up your community for the back end of the summer when you don't have enough rainfall okay now you're now you're a mayor or a local official in a mountain ski resort out in colorado how do you then keep your ski resorts happy when you still get maybe the same amount of snow, but you don't get it when you're supposed to get it? In other words, you don't get it early, you don't get it late, you get it all at once, and all of a sudden their economy is not doing well, and they're looking for handouts. So it, it's not such so much of an easy question of it doing this, but it's how the climate is changing, how it's becoming more variable. And I think the more and more people we have on this planet and the more that we depend on weather um, and kind of like we take it for granted, matter now we're taking it much more seriously. And at the same time, we're beginning to study all the nuances of it, as well as uh, some of the things that could hurt us, as well as some of the things that can help us with the climate change.
4: So there's the answer to your question, Hakeem. And, and on, this is why you, you, yeah, you <laughs> got to take this guy's class. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I hope I hope you consider it. Uh, Rick, we need a, for, a forecast from you.
2: Yeah, um, perfect weather today, Uh, 64 was the high yesterday, that was the coolest day in four months. Uh, Upper 60s today, low 70s tomorrow, looks like we'll probably see maybe a couple of showers, maybe late tomorrow, better chance on Tuesday, but then going back down into the 60s for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The pattern is definitely going to remain more seasonal for this time of the year, definitely a little bit more wetter, uh, but it does look like a perfect full moon rise tonight at about 6.30 and with that sun just barely going down off to the west, that moon is going to look nice and bright and red. A perfect harvest
4: moon. Cool. Coming up over the lake. Alright, thank you Rick. I want to nice. thank everybody on the show Gary Oppenheimer, all the folks from Helianthus Alright, I say go green ore and you say go home Okay, you ready for that? <laughs> Until next time go green or Go home! Go home! home! <laughs> <laughs> go home!
6: <laughs> uh, what? it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it?
0: I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.